If you'll open your Bibles, please, to Philippians chapter number 2, I want to talk to you tonight about having a positive attitude. And I was driving to church tonight, rain coming down, messy. I thought, man, I've got a bad attitude because uh, this is a tough Wednesday night. You know, a lot of people might not be able to come. And it's kind of hard to have a good attitude on a weather night like this. Then I got to thinking, had the Astros taken care of business, we would be hosting game two of the World Series tonight. And so I thought, well, if we let it, that could make us have a bad attitude. And then I thought, well, the Texans have just won four games in a row. And so maybe that should help us to have a good attitude. But, you know, that's kind of how it is in life. If you let circumstances affect your attitude, sometimes you'll be down and sometimes you'll be up. But if you can learn how to control your own attitude, regardless of the weather or the winning or losing or whatever might be going on in your life, you're going to have a better go at life. Now, I was reading this afternoon something that I thought was very interesting there's a man named Victor Frankel, or Frankel, who was a Jewish man that ended up in spending over three years of his life in concentration camps, primarily in Germany. And he said this after those, that experience that he had had. He, had, he said, the experiences of, a con- of concentration camp life show that man does have a choice of action. There were enough examples, often of a heroic nature, that prove that apathy could be overcome and irritability could be suppressed. Man can preserve a vestige of spiritual freedom in independence of mind, even in such terrible conditions of psychic and physical distress. We who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And so what he was saying was, after being in those concentration camps for that many years, he learned that in a setting like that, you don't have very many freedoms. In fact, the only real freedom you have is your attitude. How are you going to handle being mistreated and going through a situation like this? And so tonight, I kind of want us to build on that and to think about how we can have a more positive attitude uh, in, in our daily lives. Now, in Philippians, of course, just this much, let me say by way of background, Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. And so his circumstances were very much like those of Viktor Frankl, who was in the concentration camp. Nothing good circumstantially in Paul's life, and yet he had the most amazingly positive attitude. He's writing a letter about how to have joy, how to have victory in life. And you think, how could this letter be coming from a man who was writing it while he was in a prison? And so I think as we think about Paul's life, we ask ourselves this question, how can we have a better attitude? How can we have a more positive attitude, a more faith-filled attitude than maybe sometimes we're prone to have? Well, I think there are a lot of things I could say about that before we get into the actual Bible study tonight. First of all, just off the top of my head, Paul, if you think about his life, he had good theology. 
And we studied that last week as we looked through chapter number one, where Paul was talking about the fact that he was in prison, and yet God was in control, and because of his imprisonment, he had opportunities to share Christ with people that he would not have had had he not been in prison. And so Paul had good theology. One of the things that will help you to have a more positive attitude in your life is to have good theology. That, that theology, it's referring to what you believe about God. And so those basic theological things that we talk about, those biblical truths that God is in control and He always has a plan and God always gets the last word and we're never victims of our circumstances and those type things, you always want to remember that. And that'll help you to have a good attitude. Something else, and then I want to get into a little list, and this is not on the list, so just listen and don't write this down. But another thing that will help us to have a good attitude is to have a relationship with Jesus that is real, that from the time you get up in the morning until the time you go to bed tonight, you are aware that Jesus Christ is with you, wherever you might be, He is with you, and just to know that He is there, that in itself, you know, it talks about in the Scripture, in Psalm 16, in verse 11, it says, in God's presence is fullness of joy. Say that with me. In God's presence is fullness of joy. And so if we have God's presence in our lives, and we do, and if we are aware of God's presence, and sometimes we are and sometimes we're not, but if we're aware of it, His presence itself will give joy to our hearts, and it will make us happier and more positive people. And so that is just something that, that, that is true. So if we have a good theology and if we have an awareness of God's presence, we're already going to be ahead of the pack as far as having a good theology but, or having a positive attitude. But tonight, as we come to chapter 2 of Philippians, as I have read this chapter, thought about this chapter, studied this chapter, I want to make four statements tonight, or really four suggestions, four things that you and I can do to have a better attitude. Now, that doesn't mean that every day we're going to be at our best, that every day we're going to even be positive. I mean, this is life, and some days we're up and some days we're down. But I think if we will put these things that I'm going to suggest tonight into practice, that we'll have a whole lot more up days than we do down days. So, number one, look for positive ways to build others up. Look for positive ways to, positive and practical ways to build others up. Now, in Philippians chapter 2, look in verse number 3. Look what Paul said about this. He, he said, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Paul was saying one of the ways to, have, to be joyful and to have a good attitude is to think more of others than you think of yourself. One of the things, it's like the kiss of death to our faith, to our joy, and to a positive attitude is when we become overly introspective and the focus of our life is inward. And it's almost like sometimes we just begin navel-gazing, spiritual navel-gazing, circumstances. It's just everything is inward, and it's all about me. It's all about what I'm going through. It's all about my problems. It's all about how I feel. It's all, and many times that just zaps the joy right out of us, whereas if we can get our attention off of us, certainly to put it on to God, that's, that's a given, but also to begin to focus on other people 
to think about how is she doing? How is he doing? How are they doing? What's going on in their life? There's something about focusing on others that is healthy, that will get you to that will help you to stop thinking and fixating and worrying about yourself or thinking about yourself so much. And so that's what he said. Look in verse 4. He said, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. One of the things that Paul did while he was in this Roman prison is he was mindful of other people. He was thinking, what can I do to help somebody else? Again, that... That's why he wrote this letter. He was in prison thinking about the Christians in Philippi, the church there that he had founded. He wrote them a letter. So Paul's mind was not just on him. There's something about that inward focus. Some, you know, somebody, the great quote, somebody has said, the unexamined life is not worth living. That's a true statement. But it's also true that the over-examined life is, is not a whole lot better than the unexamined. I mean, we want to examine ourselves and make sure we're right with God and, and, and take that part of our lives seriously. But when we begin to think too much and focus too much about ourselves, it's, it's, it's not healthy and it's not the way that God intended for us to work. Think about this. When you are building others up, when you are affirming others, when you are making other people look good and, and you're encouraging them, it can't be phony and can't be, you know, pretend. It has to be heartfelt and genuine. You have to mean it. But when you do that, if, if after the service tonight I come up and say something positive to you about you, let me ask you a question. If I'm saying something positive, does that make me more positive or more negative? makes me more positive, right? Whereas if I come up to you tonight after the service and I say something negative about you, does that make me more positive? It makes me more negative. And so what I'm saying is so much of how we think and how we feel is tied in to what we say. That's why the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so our thoughts and our words are very important. But if we're speaking positive words, even though I might be affirming you, to, to, for the purpose of lifting you up and encouraging you, the act of doing that actually has the same effect on me. It actually lifts me up. It actually makes me more positive. And the opposite is true. If we say negative things about others, if we're always saying something negative, that's going to pull us down. So what I'm saying is you have to think about some practical ways that you can build other people up, your children, your, uh, your spouse, your co-workers, whoever you're, whoever's in your little world, look for practical ways to build them up and not to tear them down. And I think that will, uh, that will, be, that will be a big help. Now, the second thing we can do to have a more positive attitude is to become humble, to be a humble person. Now, look back in verse, or look down in verse number five of Philippians chapter two, because this is one of the most, uh, fascinating passages in all of the New Testament, Paul now is talking about Jesus and how Jesus humbled himself. And here's what Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is our example of humility. And that's what we're thinking about now. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, 
He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Jesus, in leaving heaven, coming to earth, and then dying on the cross for us, what did he do? He humbled himself. And he is our model, and he is our example. And that's why Paul said in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so there's something about humbling ourselves. There's something about uh, not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. And in a given situation, finding the most humble thing that we can do uh, in, in, a particular, in a particular setting. And to humble ourselves and to, uh, to build others up and to lift others up. So I encourage you to, to do that, to look for the humble way, to look for the thing that you could do. You know, the opposite of humility is pride. And when we become proud, we become jealous. And when we become jealous and full of our own pride, jealous of other people's accomplishments, there's just something about human nature that wants to pull them down. I heard a story yesterday about... Uh, Years ago, this happened in Greece. There was a man who had been a very successful athlete. And so they had made a statue for him in one of the cities there in the country of Greece. And this man's opponent, who had raced many times against him, every day or every so often, some regular day, he would walk by that statue and he would see his opponent. And he knew that when they would race, his opponent would win. And so now his opponent has a statue, and nobody, nobody built him a statue, and it just ate away at him, and it ate away at him, and it ate away at him. And so he said, what I'm going to do is every night I'm going to go out into the town, I'm going to go to that statue, I'm going to have my chisel, and I'm going to just start chiseling that stone statue away. I can't knock it down in one night, but eventually I'll knock it down. And so every night he would go out, he would chisel at that statue of the man. He was jealous of this man. He did it night after night, night after night. He could tell he was coming close to knocking the statue over. And then finally, one night, he hit that statue for the last time. And sure enough, it knocked the statue over, but it fell on him and killed him. And the preacher that I heard telling that story was making the obvious point that when we become full of pride, when we become jealous of others, and when we set out to take somebody else down, we may take them down, at least we think we've taken them down, but it's going to do much more harm to us than it ever would to them. And so don't, don't be a person who's is belittling others or, you know, doing something like that. Be somebody who's looking for practical ways to build others up. And try your best to be a humble person. You know, open doors for people and do, do things like that for people. And, and I just think there's something about that that will make, not only is that the right thing to do, but in your heart and in your spirit, it just makes you even feel better. And then a third thing that I think is important. Now, this is not as easy. None of this is easy, but this is not easy at all. But that is refuse to complain. Refuse to complain. Look in verse number 12 at what Paul said. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, in other words, Paul is saying, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. 
Now, he's saying what you need to do in your practical everyday life is work that out. Live that out. God has worked it in you, but you work it out in your own life. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to do and to will for his good pleasure. And then verse 14, do all things without complaining and disputing. And so we shouldn't be complainers. We should be positive, and, we, and it should be genuine, and it will be if our hearts are filled with faith. Verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. What Paul is saying is, we live in a dark world, but one of the things that makes our world dark is it's not just the sin, but it is the negativity in the world. You don't need me to tell you that we live in a very negative world. And especially we're seeing this in the political, in the political world. There's something about the political process itself that is divisive. There are two major parties. And so most of us are in one group or the other group. And we're in that group because of our personal convictions. And that's fine. And that's the, that's the right thing to do. But the world in which we're living in has become so, uh, so divisive, so negative, so much complaining, so much finger pointing, so much fault finding that it can just be depressing. And so when Paul says, it's interesting to me that in verse 14, Paul says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Don't be a complainer. And he says, if you won't complain, in the very next verse 15, he says, you're going to shine as lights in the world. In other words, if you don't have any other good quality in your life except that you don't complain, you are positive. That is going to be so different from what is in so much of the world that you're going to stand out and you're going to shine, Paul says, as lights in the world. And so I would encourage you, it's easy to complain. It's normal and natural to complain. But when you refuse to complain, you just stand out. I read a poem today that I thought was interesting. The poem titled is Present Tense. Present Tense. Listen to this poem. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted, the warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted, the beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted, the warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted. If you want 20, say amen. Everybody want 20? Some of you are shaking your head, and I don't want to go back to 20. But this person said, when I was middle-aged, it was 20 that I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle-aged I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over. But I never got what I wanted. And I read that and I thought, there's, there's some truth in that. So many, so often, when, just take nature, in the heat of the summer, 102, 103 degree days, most all of us are saying, I'm ready for fall. But after a few days of sneezing from ragweed, a lot of us are saying, I wish it would get cold and kill the allergies and it would be winter. And then after a cold winter like we had last winter, we're saying, I sure do wish it would hurry up and be spring so I could go outside and do something. 
and then it gets to be spring, and, and then, you know, it's the same old thing. I, I think that is human nature, and that is normal, and I think it's just true at whatever, you know, play, at whatever, not just with nature and age, but I think it's true, it, it's easy to look at your life and to say, if I were in another season of life, if my situation was different, if my circumstances were different, then I would be happy. And yet, friend, the truth is, if you can't be happy where you are, you can't be happy. Because the changing of the circumstances don't have the ability to make you happy. And so our happiness has to come in the... And that's the whole point of Philippians. Paul is in this Roman jail, and he's saying, I want to tell all of you how to have joy, how to have peace, how to have... You, thought, you, you talk about uh, credibility to write this theme from a prison is it's absolutely incredible to me. But I would encourage you, refuse to complain. Wherever you are in life, whatever season it is, just embrace that season, enjoy that season. Today is October the 24th. There won't be another October 24th for 365 days. Enjoy this one. And then when that one rolls around, it won't be the same as this October 24th. And so today, enjoy this day. Tomorrow, enjoy that. We're fixing to be into November, the Thanksgiving season. Just enjoy that. And the same is true for wherever you are in life. Enjoy the place where you are in life. And if you will just enjoy that and be thankful for that and refuse to complain. In life, there will always be something we could complain about. But there's always something we can be thankful for. And so we have to choose which way, because both are always there. There's always the negative, and there's always the, there's always the problem, and there's always the blessing. The negative and the positive. It'll be that way all the way through life. But we have to decide, which one of these am I going to focus on? And sometimes we all probably go down the wrong trail, but we have to correct, and we have to get back on the right path. And so refuse to complain. And then another thing that Paul did that I think helped him to stay positive, and I think it's important for all of us, have a good network of positive Christian friends. Have a good network of positive Christian friends. In verse number 19, Paul begins to talk about Timothy. And notice what he says. He said, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. So Timothy was with Paul in Rome. And Paul was saying to the Philippians, I want to send him to you and notice why, that I also may encourage, be encouraged when I know your state. So Paul said, I want to send Timothy to you so he can check up on you, see how you're doing, and then come back and give me a report. And if I can hear that you're doing well, that's going to make me happier. And so again, Paul's focus was not just on him. Now he's thinking about Timothy. He's thinking that if I could send Timothy to Philippi and he could check on them and come back. So his mind is, is working. Remember this, God gave us all a mind. And our minds either work for us or against us. Sometimes they work against us. Sometimes our minds can be our own worst enemies. But we ha that's why we have to train our minds. And we have to get our minds working for us. And I'm telling you tonight what Paul did to get his mind working for him. And one of the things was he had this good network of positive Christian friends. Now look in verse 25. He talks about another one of his friends. A man named Epaphroditus. He said, yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. 
since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Now, do you see, like, all these people in Paul's inner circle had the right mindset. They, they were positive. They had their faith in God. They weren't selfish. They were thinking about others. Here's a man named Epaphroditus who got sick. And when he got sick, the thing that bothered him most was that other people heard that he was sick. And so it troubled him now that they were worrying about him. Do you see what I'm saying? Like nobody in this whole setting is thinking about themselves. Paul's not thinking about himself. Timothy's not thinking about himself. And Epaphroditus is not thinking. They're all thinking about, certainly about God, but they're also thinking about other people. And how does what I'm going through affect other people? Again, in verse 26, it says, He was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Verse 27, For indeed he was sick. Almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm having a little bit of, I'm having a little bit of sadness and sorrow in my heart right now. The only reason is because you're sorrowful. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not sorrowful because I'm in prison. I'm sad because you're sad, so I sent Epaphroditus to you to, so you would know he's okay, and then that would make you happy to know he's okay, and if I found out that you were happy, that would make me happy. Nobody is thinking about themselves. In verse number 29, he says, Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. And so again, you're trying to get in Paul's mind. He is in a Roman prison writing a letter to people in another city about how to be happy and joyful. And in, in chapter 1, he gives us some insight. It was his good theology. He was trusting in God. But in chapter 2, we see it was more than just that. It was also that he was more concerned for other people than he was for himself and what was going on in his own life. And so I just encourage you in your life, as, as this passage of Scripture has encouraged me today in my life, to look for practical ways to build others up, to, to, to try to be a humble person and to not always be looking to be the center of attention. Refuse to complain and have a good network of positive Christian friends whom you can encourage and who can turn around and encourage you. And if you do that, you're going to have a more positive and a more faith-filled attitude. And your life is going to be richer. And it's going to be of greater use to God. And it's going to be kind of like you're going to be a star. more Shining like a star in a world that is otherwise dark. And uh, lots of sin. And certainly uh, lots of negativity and lots of complaining. And we just want to be the opposite of that. And uh, we want to be a good reflection on Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, Father, I thank you tonight for Paul's example, how he could be in that prison, so joyful, so happy. And we get a little insight as to what his secret was, certainly to trust you. That's the beginning point. But also to do everything within his power to be a blessing to other people. Father, I pray those two qualities would be in our hearts. I pray that we would be full of faith, trusting you, but God, also I pray that we would do everything we can to be a blessing to others.
to know that our lives are not all about us. But God, in many ways, we are here to serve others, to encourage others, to bless others. And God, we see from Paul tonight, if we will do that, we ourselves will be lifted up. We ourselves will be blessed. With heads bowed and eyes closed. If you were giving yourself a grade tonight, how would you grade yourself, A through F, on caring for the needs of others, caring about others, building others up, being positive in your words? Would you give yourself a pretty good grade or a bad grade or somewhere in between? Well, whatever grade you might give yourself, would you just pray and ask God to to help you to do these practical things that Paul did that made him so joyful and so happy and such an incredible witness for Jesus Christ. Now, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. We're going to sing another song. And tonight, if you need to get saved, we want to give you a chance to come forward. And tonight, you can pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. You can be saved tonight. Others have already done that, but you feel God is leading you to join our church. And so tonight, you want to just come and share with me or another minister, hey, I want to put my life in First Baptist tonight. We've seen a good number of decisions in the last few weeks on Wednesday night. And so tonight, if you would like to do that, we invite you to come. Father, I pray that you would have your way during this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said.